Phoenix City, Alabama is probably very similar to many other small towns in the United States. There's a Walmart and Applebee's. Local residents take pride in their high school football team, which is one of the best in the state year in and year out. There's also the 1999 Phoenix City Little League team which made it all the way to the finals before losing to the Japanese team. Phoenix City is also proudly the home of former Major League Baseball pitcher Tim Hudson, who played for the Oakland A's as well as the Atlanta Braves. If you were to visit Phoenix City today, you would probably say there isn't much going on. It's a pretty quiet town most of the time, and that's kind of the way we like it. But that was not always the case. The story of Phoenix City starts really with the build-up to World War II. See, Phoenix City geographically is located in the eastern part of Alabama. In fact, it's as far east as you can go and still be in Alabama. <clears throat> Phoenix City is located on the Chattahoochee River. The Chattahoochee River is the border between Alabama and Georgia. So on one side of the river you have Phoenix City, if you go across the bridge you're in Columbus, Georgia. <clears throat> now that's significant to our story. Columbus is the second largest city in the state of Georgia, second to Atlanta. And right on the southern edge of Columbus is Fort Benning. Fort Benning is not only one of the largest military bases in the United States, it's one of the largest military bases in the entire world. Today it has a population around 110,000. During the build-up to World War II, as the United States was ramping up their military forces, uh, Fort Benning was used as a basic training ground for many, many soldiers. and. This is very important to our story because the events that took place in Phoenix City are directly tied to the population of soldiers in the Fort Benning, Columbus, Georgia area. So in the 1940s, Phoenix City was trying to come out of the Great Depression era. During the Great Depression, they had filed for bankruptcy and Basically, there was nothing going on in the city at that time. Uh, it was described as a bedroom community for low-income families who worked in the Columbus cotton mills and textile factories. But there were some powerful people in Phoenix City who saw an opportunity to make a lot of money. See, Columbus, Georgia was booming right across the river. Some of that had to do with these cotton mills and textile factories, but a lot of it had to do with the influx of soldiers to Fort Benning and them looking for entertainment and things of that nature. So Phoenix City would become a place where these soldiers could find entertainment that was not available in Columbus, Georgia. An organized crime syndicate began to take hold 
in Phoenix City in the mid to late 1930s. And over the course of just a few short years, this crime syndicate would become very rich and very powerful. At its height, this organized crime ring was bringing in over a hundred million dollars a year. Now keep two things in mind about that number. This was in the late 1930s, early 1940s. And also, Phoenix City at that time had a population of only 25,000. This crime ring was into all sorts of stuff from illegal gambling, selling illegal alcohol and illegal narcotics, prostitution rings, any type of illegal money-making activity that you can think of was going on in Phoenix City, Alabama. There were even reports of illegal abortion centers and a black market where you could buy and sell babies. Phoenix City earned the nickname Sin City USA many years before Las Vegas would take that nickname. Across the river in Fort Benning, Georgia, General George Patton was so disgusted by the violence and crime in Phoenix City that he once threatened to level it with his tanks. U.S. Secretary of War Henry Stimson called Phoenix City the wickedest city in America. That's because one of the favorite ways for this crime syndicate to make money was to find a young soldier who'd come across the bridge to spend his hard-earned money, spike his drink, and while he was passed out, take all of his money and possessions. Now the leaders of this crime syndicate were very smart. They would get involved in local churches and donate money in exchange for cooperation. They ran for any and every elected office that they possibly could and they easily won those elections because they rigged the elections. Not only did they run for local offices, they got involved in statewide elections and also won those elections. And this is part of the reason that nothing was ever done about the crime in Phoenix City. Later it would be found that the acting state attorney general, Silas Garrett, was involved in the corruption in Phoenix City. State officials in Montgomery refused to get involved in the situation, either because they were a part of it themselves or just thought it was a local matter and didn't want to stir anything up. Now, one of the heroes of this story was a man named Hugh Bentley. Hugh Bentley was just a concerned citizen. He saw all the crime and corruption going on around him and he just thought that it wasn't right and he wanted to do something about it. He founded something called the RBA, the Russell Betterment Association. Russell being the name of the county that Phoenix City is located in. The goal of the RBA was to collect evidence and other things that they could turn over to state officials who might then uh, intervene and do something about what was going on in Phoenix City. Another goal of the RBA was to try to get elected to local offices and state offices so that they themselves could do something about the corruption and crime in Phoenix City. Now the RBA found a somewhat unlikely ally in a local attorney named Albert Patterson. 
Now, I say Albert Patterson was an unlikely ally because many people saw Albert Patterson as part of the problem. He was an attorney, and he represented criminals. He represented a lot of these uh, crime syndicate guys, and many people looking from the outside at one point thought that he was probably involved in a lot of the corruption. Albert Patterson uh, dismissed that, and he said that he was just interested in the rule of law, and he thought that everyone deserved to be represented. The RBA, which was led by Hugh Bentley and now Albert Patterson, began to gain a foothold in Phoenix City. They were joined by some local ministers, organizations, and also other concerned citizens, and they really began to pick up momentum. Now, this didn't escape the attention of the local crime bosses. And in January of 1952, Hugh Bentley's house was blown up with dynamite. Hugh Bentley and his entire family were at home at the time of the blast. The house was completely destroyed, but miraculously, Hugh Bentley and his entire family escaped and no one was seriously injured. Hugh would also later suffer beatings at the hands of crime syndicate thugs. One beating took place while Hugh and some of his RBA friends were guarding the polling places, trying to make sure there was no corruption. But Hugh Bentley never wavered in his commitment to ending the crime and corruption in Phoenix City. It would be decided by the RBA that the best way to clean up Phoenix City would be to have attorney Albert Patterson run for the state office of attorney general. So Albert Patterson entered the Democratic primary for the office of attorney general. Now, in these days in Alabama, winning the Democratic primary was essentially the same as winning the general election. Patterson ran on a platform of cleaning up Phoenix City. And despite much voter fraud in Phoenix City, Russell County, and even other parts of the state, Patterson won the Democratic primary and the runoff. Now his success didn't come easily. His offices were burned down, he was threatened, he was constantly on guard and feared for his life. In fact, he once told a church group that even though he had won the, the election, that he felt he had less than a 1 in 100 chance of ever being sworn in. Patterson's election would definitely spark a turnaround for Phoenix City, but not in the way that he had hoped. On June 18th of 1954, as Albert Patterson was leaving his office in downtown Phoenix City, he was shot three times by a gunman carrying a 38 caliber pistol. He was able to stumble about 30 feet to a nearby street before he collapsed and died. This brazen assassination of the Attorney General-elect sent shockwaves not only through the state of Alabama, but through the entire nation. Patterson's assassination was the thing that would finally get the attention of the state officials and cause them to get involved in what was going on in Phoenix City. Reaction from the state was swift. Governor Gordon Persons called in the Alabama National Guard and declared martial law in Phoenix City. He fired every single law enforcement officer in Phoenix City and Russell County.
and until the corruption was cleaned up, the National Guard became the law enforcement officers. The National Guard quickly went to work raiding nightclubs, seizing illegal money and equipment, and arresting any and everyone they could find. Within six months, this crime syndicate, which had now become known as the Phoenix City Machine, was completely dismantled. 734 indictments were handed down by a special grand jury to local business owners, politicians, and local law enforcement officers. Three people would eventually be indicted for the murder of Albert Patterson. One was Silas Garrett, the state attorney general. Another was Arch Farrell, the solicitor of Russell County. And another was the Chief Sheriff's Deputy, Albert Fuller. Of those three, only Sheriff's Deputy Albert Fuller was ever convicted. The jury wanted to send him to the electric chair, but they settled on a life sentence. He only served 10 years and was paroled. Solicitor Arch Farrell was found not guilty as there just wasn't enough evidence to tie him to the crime. And State Attorney General Silas Garrett escaped prosecution by checking himself into a mental hospital in Texas. Albert Patterson's own son, John Patterson, would later take his place as the nominee for the Democratic Party for State Attorney General, an election which he won. And it was John Patterson who brought a lot of these charges and convictions down on these criminals. Albert Patterson's son, John Patterson, would also later become the 44th governor of the state of Alabama. The newspaper, the Columbus Ledger Inquirer, had been covering all of the corruption and exposing all of these criminals for many years before the assassination of Albert Patterson. And finally, in 1955, the Columbus Ledger Inquirer was awarded a Pulitzer Prize for all of its work. Also in 1955, a movie was released called The Phoenix City Story, which received a positive reception with most critics. It's a good movie, and I've seen it a few times, but the movie is not exactly accurate, and they do exaggerate quite a few things. For example, there's a scene in the movie where a young black girl is killed and her body is dumped in the yard of Albert Patterson. Uh, nothing like that actually happened. Ray Jenkins, who was one of the two reporters for the Columbus Ledger Inquirer newspaper who had covered all the events, he said the movie was rushed and put out quickly just to capitalize on the sensational story and that when the movie was released they didn't actually have all the facts about what was going on yet. So if you do happen to watch that movie, while I enjoy it, I think it's a good movie. I think it's interesting. Um, just know that all of the events are not exactly accurate and that they did take quite a few liberties with the actual events and history of what happened. Now since the assassination of Albert Patterson and the subsequent cleanup of Phoenix City, the city and city officials have done anything that they could possibly do to distance themselves and to sort of erase the past that happened here. Uh, you won't find any type of uh, museum with this stuff in Phoenix City. 
you won't find any monuments that I know of uh, to what happened here other than I believe there is a historic marker at the place where Albert Patterson was murdered I have heard that there is a local citizen who has a museum of sorts in their house which I believe is mostly just pictures and newspaper clippings but other than that there really is no way to kind of see any of this stuff if you come to Phoenix City today and I think that's kind of a shame I know that it's not really a history that you can be proud of but it is something that happened and I think you know I wish the city officials would do something would come up with some way some type of memorial something to uh, to kind of get that story out there and tell it because I think it it's an important story a story just like any historical story that you can learn from now in Montgomery which is the state capital of Alabama there is a statue of Albert Patterson on the state capitol grounds and I think that's nice the other man though who I believe is one of the two heroes of the story along with Albert Patterson is Hugh Bentley uh, Hugh Bentley went on to have an episode on, on, on the show This Is Your Life. Uh, he lived out the rest of his life in Phoenix City, died in 1984. To my knowledge, there's nothing in Phoenix City anywhere honoring Hugh Bentley. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe there's something that I don't know about. But uh, if that's the case, I think that's a shame because, you know, it takes a brave man, a brave person to do the things that Hugh Bentley did. Today, Phoenix City is much like any other small town in the South. There's a Walmart and an Applebee's and about $36 Generals. In the downtown area of Phoenix City, many of the old buildings that were there in the 1940s and 50s are still there today. Some are just abandoned buildings and some have become the homes of other businesses. I've always heard rumors that there are hidden rooms inside of these buildings or underground hidden basements and tunnels that connect different buildings and I wouldn't doubt if a lot of that stuff is true but there's really no way to confirm it. Well that's the story of my hometown and like I said I'm sure there are not many people outside this area who have heard of that before and it's surprising how many people have lived here all their lives and don't know the history so yeah I just wanted to get that out there I think it's interesting and uh, maybe someone else is like me and you'll think that's interesting too I've thought of a few other interesting history things that are nearby where I live so this may be something that I'll do in the future as well but I hope you enjoyed it I'll give you a few resources you can look at if you want any more information. One of course is the movie, it's called The Phoenix City Story. But I think a more accurate source for more historically accurate information would be the book called The Tragedy and Triumph of Phoenix City by Margaret Ann Barnes. And of course there's good old Google and Wikipedia. So there you go. That's the Phoenix City story. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.
Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. If you'd like to contact 318 Radio with questions, comments, or anything else, you can email 318 Radio, and that is three, the number three, O-N-E, number eight, radio at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram, and it's spelled the same way. Just search for that on Instagram, and we would love to hear from you there as well. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to everyone who participated, and I hope you have a great day.